I think people want to think that there is some sort of magic formula to it. And it's like, it's really about making decisions that feel like inside of you, this feels right for me. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Sarah Merrill Hall. I'm the chick behind the comedy Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. Welcome to the show. Guys, I just love episodes like today's. I feel like we're getting back to basics and dealing with a big kid problem that everyone can relate to. And that's feeling kind of lost. I mean, I say it in the intro of every show. I don't think we ever have life completely figured out. But at least for me, like there have definitely been times in my life when I've been more lost than others. Like I remember being in my mid-20s and realizing I didn't want to continue on my career path, but had no idea what I wanted to do next. Then there's been times where I've had, you know, hard decisions to make. Like, should I stay in this relationship? Is this my person? Or have had the decision made for me and been dumped or fired? When we're going through times of uncertainty, it can feel like an eternity and can really fuck with our anxiety, our drive, really our whole lives. So I was excited to bring in our expert this week to help us out psychotherapist and certified life coach Tess Brigham has been dubbed the millennial therapist by CNBC. And she specializes in helping millennials discover their unique life path. She offers individuals concrete tools and skills on navigating obstacles in their lives when feeling lost. And she is a vital resource for those who may be feeling stuck, uninspired, or uncertain by where they are in life. She brings her experience within the worlds of psychotherapy and coaching together to work with young adults on relationships, mental health, and career development. And she is a regular contributor for Forbes and has been featured on The Doctors and Oprah Magazine, New York Times, HuffPost, and NBC, just to name a few small outlets. And, oh my God, she even wrote The Quarter Life Crisis Handbook. So today she is all ours though, and she is giving us her undivided attention to help all of us get unstuck, feel a little less lost, and lead more confident, purpose-driven lives. So without further ado, I say we jump right into it, folks. Get comfy and we will be right back. Are your thoughts running in endless circles in your mind? I am so guilty of this. Look, making big life decisions is stressful. So what if a few minutes was all it took to change your relationship with stress and anxiety, transforming your life for the better? 
That's the power of meditation with Headspace. Our thoughts can be confusing enough. Meditation doesn't have to be. Headspace is your convenient dose of meditation, mindfulness, and sleep exercises to relieve stress and anxiety and help you get a good night's sleep. All in one app, making it easy to catch your breath and make time for your mental health. And it's one of the most science-backed meditation apps in the world, proving meditation works. A study proves in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your stress by 14%. I mean, I personally love their SOS mini meditations for a quick breather. They just give me a moment of peace amongst like my daily life chaos. We've been talking a lot about feeling stuck in today's episode, and I have found that even just two minutes of their guided meditations help me slow down, get more clarity, and just feel less anxious. So find some Headspace at headspace.com slash big kid and get one month free of their entire meditation library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com slash big kid today. That's headspace.com slash big kid. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I'm sitting here with Tess Brigham. She's been dubbed the millennial therapist by CNBC. She's an expert psychotherapist, certified life coach, and author of the Quarter Life Crisis Handbook. Tess, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, I can't think of a better guest to have on this podcast. Like, <laughs> that's literally all the stuff that we talk about on here all the time. Um, like this show, I I kind of created this show for like twenty something Sarah, and mm-hmm. I like fully relate to all of those things. Like, not knowing what the hell you're doing with your life, um, you know, maybe being in a career that you're not sure is the right path. And I I feel like so many of our listeners can relate to that. But before we get started, I actually I actually wanted to give a little background on you because you also went through something similar to this, right? Like this yes. wasn't your first career choice. No, no. I had a whole other career before I became a therapist. I um my big dream when I was in, you know, a dream that I had since I would think it was in middle school. So I wanted to work in LA, Hollywood. For a long time I thought I wanted to be a film director. I, you know, had been in all the school plays in high school and directed plays. And then I went to film school. I went to, um, I was a, you know, film and TV major. And I interned for movie studios. I did everything. I mean, I did everything, quote unquote, right, that you're supposed to do. And at 24, I moved to LA and I, you know, I was, I was only there for, you know, three years total, but in your 20s, everything feels so money, you know, these years feel so long. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I was making it happen. I had this great career. I worked for this woman, this talent manager who believed in me and wanted to promote me. And and she was, you know, people wanted my job and I was miserable, like utterly, utterly miserable, like running to the bathroom in the middle of the day to cry. I could not stand it. I just did not like it. And um, this was 27. And I just, I didn't know what, I mean, that's the part about quarter life crises that are so hard. You kind of don't know why you're feeling the way you are. And all of a sudden, you know, this thing that you, this thing that you thought, you know, this was my path. This is what I'm going to do. It's like, oh my God, this isn't, you know, this isn't me. This isn't at all what I want. So I had my own quarter life crisis and I left the business and I came back home to the San Francisco Bay Area. And, you know, it took me a little, it took me a couple of years, but I basically then eventually decided to become a therapist, which is how I got to this place. 
Yeah. So you you left without yeah. like knowing what your next step was. I feel like that's got to be especially scary. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I had some ideas, but yeah, I left LA. I mean, I was broke. I had, I moved back in with my mom. Um, <laughs> you know, I really like, I had a car, like that was it, the car and the stuff in my car. And the one thing that, you know, when I came back, I started asking myself this, these questions over and over again, right? Like, what is it that I liked about these jobs? Why did I want to do this? Like, why, why was I attracted to doing this? And what I, I worked with actors. And the one thing that I felt like that I was good at and that I enjoyed was I was really good at talking to actors, like talking to people with, you know, big personalities. And I could, I really could communicate with them in a way that they understood what I was talking about. You knew like this, this actor needed to hear this, this actor needed to hear that. And, and I enjoyed, I helped, I liked solving their problems. I liked being that person that they touched base with. So I just didn't like the other business parts of it. And I didn't like a lot of the, you know, the Hollywood part, um, which is a whole other story within itself, but I didn't like all the politics of Hollywood, but I did like the, the interacting with people that needed help that wanted help. And so that's how I ended up going to get a master's in psychology. But at that point, I had really never even taken a psych... I mean, I had taken one psychology class like in high school. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so you had to fully go back to school and like learn all of this stuff over. I mean, I can, I can see that that would be really daunting, especially when you're like, shit, I'm broke. I need a job. <laughs> you know? like Yeah. Well, it, it was a couple of years. Like I left LA at 27 and then I started the program at 29. So... There was a couple years in there. I mean, I I went came back and I still worked in production. I, you know, I still worked in the quote unquote business, but it was the Bay Area. It's very different than LA, and because I knew people there that got me a job, and I had various jobs. And I um I actually the first thing I did was when I started thinking about psychology is I went and I took a class. I just took this intro to psychology class at a junior college. I was like, okay, well, let me just see if I even like this. Like, do I enjoy this? And so I took the class and I was like, oh, I like this a lot. And then I took a couple more classes. And then that's what spurred me on to apply to school. So I think a lot of times, you know, when people hear these stories, and you see this a lot on social media and you see it in movies, you know, when people talk about these rough years of these transitional years, right? It's a montage in a movie or it's a couple lines in a story that someone tells you. But, you know, all in all, it was. Just it was a full two years of like, okay, is this it? Maybe okay, I'm going to start school, and then even school starting school, it gets you on a path, but it doesn't sort of you don't know everything. It's not like that then solved the problem. I think people keep thinking that, oh well, you know, once I once I you know start school, then I'll know exactly what I want, or once I get here, I'll know exactly what I want. It's like no, it's a constant evolution. It's a constant process. And then it took me, and I'll tell my clients this too, where. It took me, you know, another 10 years to get good at what I was doing. And then it took me, you know, another couple years after that to figure out what is it that, you know, what kind of clients did I want to work with? You know, I often say I'm in my late 40s now. And I say, like, it's probably, I was probably like in my early 40s when I finally started to feel like, I think I kind of understand this. Like, I think I feel good about this now. Like, I feel like I know what I'm doing. And, and I think that's, that's the big thing that's, a myth out there where mm-hmm. you should graduate from college and then get a job and somehow you're an expert in whatever it is that you're doing or you know what the path is. And it doesn't work like that. It takes a long time to get good at what you're doing and to also figure out this is the small little thing I want to carve out for myself. Like these are the kinds of people I want to work with. This is the kind of work I want to do. 
this is how I want to run my business. All of that. Oh, yeah, I love that you're saying that. It's a, it is a long road. Um, I always say like when I graduated, like the job that I'm doing now, like didn't exist, you mm-hmm. know, like a, a podcasting and comedy Instagram, like we didn't even, <laughs> Instagram wasn't even invented yet. Yeah. You know, sometimes like you just don't know. And I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people probably listening can, can resonate with that. That might be in that place where maybe they don't know, they don't even know what they want to do. Like they're just maybe at where you were when you started and you're like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I don't want to do this. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of the 20 something years is learning what don't I want to do, you know? And, and it's important because you need to know it's somehow it's easier to figure out what you don't want to do than what it is that you do want to do. Mm-hmm. And I often say that to my clients where you know, they'll say, okay, you know, I am in this job and there's all these things I hate about it. And I'm like, that's great because you now know like you don't want to do those things anymore. You know, you can really identify that. And that's the point of jobs and especially beginning of your career. It's really about learning, oh, I like these things over here, but I hate these things over here. And okay, so how do I find a job where I get more of this over here and less of this over there? And then you move to this new job and you're like, oh, wait a second. Hmm. I like these things now over here. That are part of that, but I really don't like these, you know, and it's this constant, like, um, you know, you're constantly kind of whittling down, whittling down until you get to, you know, the hope is to eventually get to a point where you're in a role and in a company where you feel like, okay, I'm doing, you know, 70% of the time I'm enjoying what I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's, there's, you know, I, that's a magic formula that they came up with. I don't know if that's accurate, but they say you should enjoy 70% of the things that you do at your job, you know, 70%. To, 70%. Huh, that's interesting. So, I like I actually like that because I think that's that's more accurate than I think a lot of us come out of college or go into the workforce thinking I need to find something that I 100% love. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is I listen, I love what I do. I believe in what I do, but I, do I enjoy writing notes, you know, after each client? Like no. I, you know, I have a bunch I have to write after this. Like, you know, it's there there is so if I didn't, you know, there's lots of little pieces of my job. And and the other part of it too is I enjoy what I do, but you know, I have issues with clients. I have issues with, you know, people and dealing with people. And it's I think that's that part where people have these interactions that are, you know, not great or they have rough conversations or a disagreement with their boss or, you know, and there's this idea of like this questioning, is this for me? And it's like, well, no, I mean, that's part of life. Like, there's no way you're going to get away from it. There's just none. There's always going to be stuff that you're not going to enjoy. It's really about finding something that you enjoy more often than not, mm. you know, most of the time, the, a bigger percentage of time. And it's really about something that, you know, it doesn't have to be amazing and wonderful every day, but it really has to be meaningful and engaging to you. It has to have some meaning to you. You know, it, you don't have to be saving the world. But the meaning behind why you're doing what you're doing has to feel like that because meaning will stay with you. Passion, fleeting. Mm. Good times, bad times, moods. Our moods are constantly going up and down. But meaning and what engages you, those things are constants and they will stick with you. Mm. Okay. I think that I think that's like a that is a huge piece that I want to dive into a little bit is is finding something that is meaningful. Because I, I think I found that with my job. Like I, I, I'm telling stupid jokes on the internet and like 
a lot of people could laugh about that or laugh that off. But like, I find meaning behind it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I make a, you know, percentage of people smile every day. Like that makes me feel good. So for anybody who maybe is trying to find what is meaningful to them, do you have like, I don't know, like a guide or step-by-step or something that can help people kind of figure that out? Because I I did see this meme the other day that was kind of Mm -hmm. funny. It was like, like people keep telling me to find my passion, but what if my passion is like eating berries and frolicking in the sea? You mm-hmm. know? And I feel like probably a lot of people out there feel that way. Yeah. Like they don't, they, they, they like things, they're passionate about certain things, but those don't necessarily equate to jobs. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I think it's a different journey for everyone, but usually when clients come to me, I, you know, I usually have them start to think about, you know, what do you really value? Like what's important to you? What's what's valuable to, you know, what do you value in life? And our values will ebb and flow over time, depending on where we are and our priorities. And, you know, my values at 20, whatever, are very different than they are now, uh, just because I'm older and I'm married and have a child and all that. But you're able to really discover what your values are by looking back in time. You know, no matter how old you are, you already have some information about yourself. You already know based on your life experiences, you know, who a little bit about who you are and what you like and what you don't like. So usually I have people go back in time and think about think about time, think about a time in your life where you felt really inspired. Like what was going on? What was happening? Think about a time in your life where you felt really excited. Think about times in your life where, you know, it felt really meaningful to you, meaningful moments, engaging moments. And those moments in time are you know, those are clues to how you think about the world, how you fit into it, what you like, what you don't like, you know, because things that inspire you are really about things that get you excited and what you would want to do more of, right? And um, and that's the same thing for, you know, for meaning. It's, it's times in your life where something touched you in a certain way. So that's the thing that drives you and, and makes you want to move forward. So it's, those are the clues to, um, you know, figuring out a little bit about what it is that is, you know, how, what you like and what you don't like. The other thing that you can do is, you know, do a bit of an audit on your life, on your day, right? Just the way, you know, someone would do a tax audit, like go in like with a fine tooth comb and get a piece of paper, like go to work, get a piece of paper and a pen and write down nine o'clock, like, what did I do? And how did I feel? Mm. You know, I did this and this is how I felt. I did this. This is how I felt like, and this is how I felt after. And this is what, what this is, you know, and I'll have clients like really identify, you know, day after day after day, what are the things that you really like get you excited and make you happy and, and make you feel good? And what are the things that you cannot stand? And, you know, and just really, and what are the things that are neutral? You know, what are the things that like, eh, I could take it or leave it. And those are clues as well. You know, for me, I think, you know, when I sat down and, and again, I didn't know what these things were. I was sort of, sort of doing them like randomly in my head when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next after I left LA. But these are a lot of the same questions I asked myself, which is, you know, what, what were the happiest times of my job? What attracted me to, you know, the, why, you know, what I did, you know, what was, I'm trying to think some of the other questions I asked myself, like, you know, what, what was it about LA and Hollywood? What was it about it? You know, for me, I think looking back, I realized that a lot of it was just ego and wanting to feel 
like doing something that people would pay attention to in some way, shape, or form, something that was new or glamorous. And, mm. and you know, I had to like reflect back on myself and say, you know, is this, is this that important to me? Like, how much of this do I want for myself? And, you know, I realized like, oh, okay, you know, everybody wants attention. Everyone wants to do something that they feel like is special or unique, but it, it wasn't, there was, there wasn't enough substance behind it for me. So I realized like, oh, that's why this dream was slowly fading away for sure. So a lot of it is, it's looking back into your past, asking yourself some pointed questions and really trying to dig in and understand it. And the other part of it too is also not like giving yourself time and space to do it, to figure it out. Like the problem that I have is that I see with clients is they come to me and they're like, well, I want to know now. Want to know now, 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 you know, now what I'm going to do next and what's going to happen. And, you know, it's like you, we don't, you know, some, for some people, they figure it out in a couple months. Some people, it takes a year. Some of it takes a couple years. You just want to keep asking yourself the questions and giving yourself some time and letting things sit with you a bit more as opposed to trying to force something. Yeah. Right. You can't force it. You can't force these aha moments. Has this ever happened to you? You need to see a doctor. You search and find one that looks good. You wait on hold to book an appointment. You rearrange your schedule. And when you finally go in, you find out that this doctor doesn't even take your insurance. Ugh, it's the worst. But there is a solution. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash BKP and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. I mean, I have been using them for years. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. And when I actually moved to Nashville two years ago, I had to find all new doctors. And ZocDoc just makes it so easy to find ones in my insurance network and book appointments on the spot. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm 33 and still hate making my own doctor's appointments, but I swear ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash BKP and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's ZocDoc.com slash BKP. I was just thinking back. I'm like, God, if I gave myself one of those audits of like going through my day hour by hour and like, you know, did I enjoy this? Like, <laughs> what have you? At least for me, like the last two weeks, like I have not really been enjoying like my job just because I'm in like a, a pretty stressful point with like trying to launch another podcast and like all this stuff. Is there ever a time like, do, like when you work with clients that you see maybe sometimes leaving your job isn't the right thing to do. Like maybe you're just in a rough period. I, I think a lot of the times, like especially like this generation, I feel like it's been glamorized to like 
follow your passion, like quit your corporate job. And maybe sometimes it's not the right move. Like when, when, when do you know, like, how do you, how would you kind of differentiate or separate into buckets and figure out like, is this the right thing to do or should I stick it out? Yeah. I mean, I wish there was a hard and fast answer to it. I think that what is that, that I do have a lot of people that come to me who they feel like the solution is quitting. And a lot, and I will say that there are many, many times where I've done these exercises with people. We've broken things down. We've had the discussions. We've gone through it, and they've ended up staying at their jobs. Mm. So what I would say is, you know, the easiest thing to do if you're in a job that you're like, I don't know. I mean, again, it's it's how much you hate it or not. Like, and what what are the reasons why you hate it? I mean, that that, that little nitty gritty stuff. I, I'd have to ask, but I always tell people like. The first, the first thing isn't to quit your job. It's to really look at your job and figure out again, like, what do I like? What don't I like? And, and is, are there things that you can change? You know, can you go to your boss and say, can I do more of this and less of this? Like, can you go to, can you transfer within your company? Can you find something else? Can you, you know, can you um, switch managers if it's really about the manager? Like, you want to identify, you know, what is it about this job that you're unhappy with first? And, you know, quitting isn't always the solution. I also think that, you know, yeah, sometimes people quit their jobs and they realize like, oh, wait, I should, that wasn't the right move. It really, I do like this. I just was, you know, going about it the wrong way, which is fine. Um, you know, I don't think, again, I always tell people like careers are long. Like we, you know, especially now, no one retires, you know, <laughs> God knows what's going to happen with social security in the future. And, you know, there aren't these big packages. People don't retire at 65 anymore. So a career is long. So you have decades upon decades hmm. to make these mistakes. And, it, and people take this attitude of like, oh my God, I quit that job. And now my whole career is ruined and everything's going to fall apart. It's like, no, okay. So you quit the job. Probably shouldn't have you'll find another one. Like it's, it's going to be okay. It's, that isn't the end of the world. But you know, quitting isn't always the best thing to do. And again, I really... Passion is fleeting. Passion is a feeling. And feelings... No feeling is final. Feelings constantly evolve. So don't make decisions based on fleeting feelings or how you feel that day. It's really about... You know, how do you feel day after day after day, week after week after week, right? Mm -hmm. So you're saying like the last couple of weeks have been really difficult for you. And it's like, but you're able to identify it's been difficult because it's not that I don't like what I'm doing. It's just, I have too much to do. There's too many things going on. And so some of it is, you know, asking yourself, okay, well, this will end. At some point, there, will, there won't be so many things that I have to do and things will settle down and then you'll ease on back to that. Or what you might find is, oh, there's too much to do and I've got to figure out how to delegate it or get rid of some stuff I don't want to do and pare down. Mm -hmm. But those evolution, that, that evolution of what you're talking about, it's a constant, you know, that's always how it is in work, right? We're constantly having to reassess and reassess and reassess. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah. such an underrated piece of advice of like, one of the things you can do is like, change your change your current situation at your job without leaving. Like I actually mm -hmm. I actually did that at one of my last jobs. Like I ended up like completely taking on a different role within the company, having a different boss, like all of that stuff. Like everything kind of changed. I still stayed at the same company though. Um so I, I love I love that piece of advice is maybe exploring that area a little bit. Cause I think people mm -hmm. may 
might feel stuck and they're not necessarily as stuck as they think that they are. Yeah. 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 And the other, and that's the thing, like, you know, bosses, people feel like, and, and it's nice. Listen, if you have someone who comes along, who's your mentor that takes you under their wing and that wants to help you and lead you, that's awesome. But for the most part, you know, that's not what you're going to get. You've got to go to your boss and say, this is what I want. You know, these are the things that I want. These are the things that I want to go towards and ask for it, advocate for yourself and um, be, you know, you need to be the most proactive person in your life. And if you're not, then, then this is, you know, this is part of why you're feeling stuck because you're not, you're not engaged in, you know, advocating for yourself. Yeah. Big part of careers. Yeah. And not only careers, but I think that goes like with the other things too, with our lives, like relationships, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's actually something I wanted to talk about too, because I know, especially like we talk about this quarter life crisis situation. I feel like one of the hardest parts of like my 20s for me, or especially when I felt like I was kind of in this, this crisis situation was just like making decisions, like making hard decisions. Like we get faced with some things in at this period of time of like, am I in the right job? Should I leave the relationship that I'm in? Should I move? Like there are some things that like come up that are big life decisions that can feel really scary and really hard to do. And I'm interested from your perspective, coming from your background and all of that, like, are, is there a framework that we can use to kind of help make some of these decisions? Yeah, I mean, there's what I call like, there's always these rules about decision-making. The first one is there are very few decisions in life that you cannot change, backtrack, you know, figure out how to do differently, right? I mean, I think probably, you know, having a child is one where you're with that child, like, you know, there, there's some other ones. And certainly if you, you know, breaking up with someone is a big one because you can't really decide, you know, but you, you can't go back with them. But for the most part, we can quit jobs. We can end relationships. We can move, you know, you can get a lease and get out of the lease. You can, you know, buy a home and sell the home. You can leave a city. There are very, very few things in life that we cannot backtrack or change. So don't be afraid to make decisions. And the other thing about decision-making is to remember is anytime you're having to make a decision between one or more, you know, more than two things in life, no matter what you pick, you're going to feel a feeling of loss because there's something that you're saying no to. There's a road not, that is not going to be taken in that moment in time. And so a lot of times what happens is people think that that, you know, that feeling of loss that they have, they feel like, oh, I feel lost. So it means that I need to pick this road, you know, you're choosing between A and B and you choose A and you're like, you start to feel sad about B and you're like, well, oh, it should be B. And I see clients doing this all the time, waffling back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the thing is, it's like, no, you, you've made this decision towards A, you know, you've got to stick with that. You've got to give it some time. You know, you're feeling sad because it's a road that you're not traveling. Doesn't mean you can't travel down it at some point. It's just not going to happen right now. And to not mistake that. And the other part of it too is, you have to see something through. And, and I've seen this a lot. Like people will start a new job and they'll absolutely like be like, I hate it, you know, a month in, because it's not at all what they thought it was going to be, or the learning curve is really hard. And I'm always like, you know, yes, you can leave this job, but go give it more time. Like get yourself to the point where you are feeling more comfortable in the work that you're doing and then figure out what it is, like what's happening. 
you know, you've got to give things time. You really do. And it's the same for relationships. Relationships, you know, I've been married 18 years and it's like relationships ebb and flow and you have good years and bad years and and good times and bad times. And part of it too is you've really got to, you know, see if you can weather these storms. And if if you can't, you can't. And there's, there's the choice. It's right there in front of you. You know, you have this choice. But to ride things out a little bit more. But the thing is, is that decisions are just simply, I mean, they're just simply, you just take in all the information that you have. You take in what you know, what you know about yourself and what you don't know about yourself. And you make a choice to the best of your ability. I think people want to think that there is some sort of magic formula to it. And it's like, it's really about making decisions that feel like inside of you, this feels right for me. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's the part that a lot of times people come to me and they want me to make these decisions for them. And I'm like, I don't have to live your life. Like, I don't have to go to your job, you know, which is another reason why I tell people, like, your parents might have an opinion, your friend might have an opinion, your partner might have an opinion, but only you have to go to that job every day. Only you have to pay the rent of that place or live in that city, not me, mm-hmm. you. So you have to feel like this is what I want because I want this. And again, if you make a choice and it's not quite right, then you can change it. It's not the end of the world. But it's better to make a decision than have a decision made for you. Mm -hmm. It really is. You want to be the one to make decisions in your life. And to just not... I think that we get very attached to... We make a decision that doesn't work out. And there's such judgment of ourselves of like, there's something wrong with me or I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, no, that's not true. You, You know, you made a choice. Okay, yeah. now you have a bunch of information about yourself. Like, good, you know, great. So now make a different choice. For me, yeah. I, you know, if I hadn't moved to, you know, if I hadn't done all the things that I did in my 20s, if I hadn't made all those choices, I would be, you know, again, I would be sitting wondering what if, what if I had gone after this Hollywood dream, right? Or I would be sitting in Hollywood right now miserable you know, at a point where I felt like I couldn't leave because I had gotten so far, you know, because I felt like I didn't know how to do anything else. So there is this piece of like, just trust your choices. Just trust that they will lead you to where you want to go. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's, it's, I say trust a lot and it's easier when you're, you know, at my age, because I have so much time to look back at my life and go, oh, okay, I can see how each decision and choice that I've made, how it's led me to here and, you know, not getting that job, that relationship not working led me here. It's easier. And I, and I do say that to my clients all the time. It, it, you, the older you get, you just it, everything gets still a little bit easier in some ways because you can see things very clearly. Mm. When you're young, it's hard to see it clearly. So it's a lot of it is just trust. You know, yeah, trusting, trusting that things will work out the way they're supposed to. And, and knowing that you are going towards a choice for a reason. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're, you're being compelled to make a certain choice based off of the best information you have at that given time. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, trusting in it. I think that's, that's such a big thing. It's so funny uh, when you talk about like kind of mourning the loss of the other path that you didn't take. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think of one of the biggest choices I made in my, my late twenties was to like leave New York city move across the country for this guy I had been dating for a while. And I was like, I have my whole life that I absolutely love in New York. I have all my best friends in New York. Like I feel at home in New York. And I moved for my now husband. You know, (laughs) we we just got married. Um, 
but it's funny. Like even to this day, sometimes I'll catch myself thinking like, what if I hadn't gone? Like what would, mm-hmm. what would that Sarah be doing right now? And I feel like sometimes we can often glamorize that other choice. Um, but like you said, like, like, you know, like you could be sitting there miserable. Like you just, you just don't know. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is that, right, let's say you had stayed in New York. I mean, some of it too is you would have figured it out and you would have met someone else and may, you would have had a different life. And it, would it be bad? No. Right? Like, I think we get so stuck in these places of, you know, there, that, that there is one way to do it. Mm. Right. We, there's a lot of this stuff of like, you know, we have many, we have lots of soulmates. We have lots of people in our lives. Like, you know, if, if one relationship doesn't work, another person will come along. We get very attached to like, no, this was the love of my life. Like nothing will be as good. Or this was the job of my dreams. My guess would be is that if you had stayed in New York, right? I think you would have met someone else, maybe probably similar to where your husband is now, different kind of life. I think you would eventually be doing something, you know, relatively close to what you're doing now, but just maybe in a different way, in a different format. Like I, I, I think that as long as you're willing, I mean, I think that that people who end up in places that they're not happy with, those it's you're there because you're not doing the work of really looking inward. You know, you're not like willing to ask yourself and you're not willing to do the uncomfortable things because the choice that you made was super uncomfortable, right? It's very uncomfortable to leave everything and like take a risk in this way. And so, you know, that was the thing. If I had stayed in LA, I actually would have been doing myself as difficult as it was to leave and and how I had nothing it's making those hard choices in those moments in time and doing the uncomfortable thing because you want a different kind of life, because you want different things. That's really important because I think people feel like decisions or you know something like, like everything should... If, if I'm on the right path, it should feel comfortable and it doesn't work like that. Like, no, no, growth is uncomfortable. Mm. You know, change is uncomfortable. All of it is uncomfortable. So... I don't think people need to be uncomfortable all the time. I don't think you have to be constantly like challenging yourself. But I do think that if you're not happy in your life and you're feeling stuck, you've got to ask yourself, am I, am I afraid to be uncomfortable? And you know, what's the uncomfortable choice that I'm not willing to look at? And is that really, you know, am I not allowing myself to go down that road? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I like, you know, just kind of knowing a choice, you're making these choices, it, do, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a permanent thing. You can always mm-hmm. choose again. I, I think that's like a, that's helpful for anybody who might be feeling a little bit stuck or hard pressed on one of those decisions. We're getting ready to enter a brand new year. And if you're thinking of making some big changes like home renovations or paying down old credit card bills, Credit Karma can help you find a loan that works for you. Whether you're refinancing credit card debt or paying for an upcoming expense, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you fresh personal loan offers that are personalized to you. On Credit Karma, you can check out multiple loan offers side by side. Members who compare loan offers on Credit Karma save an average of 30% on interest rates. I mean, that's huge. It's completely free and easy to sign up for a Credit Karma account with no effect on your credit score, making it simple to search for the right personal loan for you. Credit Karma will even show you your approval odds so you can choose offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. And once you have a loan, Credit Karma can help you track your progress as you pay off your debt 
and even let you know if you can refinance and save. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers with your approval odds right now. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. What if it's not your decision? So like we've talked about having being faced with something that you have to make a choice but you know there are times i feel like some of my my biggest crises uh like in this in my middle life were around choices that i didn't get to make like getting fired mm-hmm. getting dumped and that can really feel very scary especially you know at this age and you kind of feel like your entire world has been flipped upside down for anybody who might be in that space like or if you have any clients that are in that space where something is completely like the rug is ripped out from underneath Mm -hmm. them. What do you do to kind of help them navigate through that crisis? Well, I, I do believe that anytime that happens, you know, you absolutely get to feel bad and lousy and you get dumped and you get to be in your bed with the Ben and Jerry's or, you know, absolutely. Everybody gets, you know, you you get the right to feel mad and all the feelings. and eventually it's knowing that at some point, you know, you will get to the end of the road of you will get through all the feelings of sadness and anger and you will get to the other side of this. And again, it comes back to trusting that even though this wasn't your choice, that this wasn't the way it was supposed to be, like this isn't your path, that this isn't the relationship and that there is something in it, all the hardships that come towards us. Yes, granted, I don't feel like people deserve these awful things that happen to them. I don't, I don't believe in that. But I do believe that things happen to us in our lives that are out of our control, that are there to teach us something about who we are and what we want and what life's all about. And, and I, I feel like at some point, that's the only thing that you can do is really when bad things happen is accept them and try to figure out how to learn from them. You know, try to figure out like, what is this thing that's teaching me? You know, what is this thing? You know, I was, I was dumped. So, you know, let me really look at this relationship because if, if we're not together, there's some reason why we're not together. And I think that what people find, right, is once they get out of that beginning, like they get out of that time, they can kind of get to the other side. And I've seen it time and again with clients. And I've worked with some clients for years where I've seen them in tons of relationships and each time they're able to, like a year later, go back and go, that was a horrible relationship. Thank God that person dumped me. <laughs> like, you know, that, that was not working at all. Or mm-hmm. I really was not happy. And that, you know, I am so grateful because this person dumped me and now I'm with this other person that I'm so happy with. So again, it comes back to that piece of trust. But again, if it's the first relationship, the first thing that, you know, when you're young, it's like the first significant relationship or the first job or whatever it is. And it does feel really ominous, which is why I say everyone deserves to mourn and go through all of the feelings that they're going through. And just, you know, recognize that you're gonna, you you will be okay. You will be. (laughs) Yeah. No, you will survive this. Right. Do you think that we ever have it completely figured out? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, you know, yeah. And I don't think, but that's not the point, right? Like, is that the point to have it all figured out? If if we had it all figured out, then okay, then what? Right? It's, 
I think that the goal isn't necessarily to have everything figured out. The goal is to really, I use this expression, like you're now, now, right? The goal is to learn how to, okay, this is where I'm at. This is my life. This is what's happening. So how do I, you know, how do I enjoy my present life? How do I enjoy and find gratitude in the things that I have versus the things that I don't have? How do I love the people that are in my life as opposed to wanting and desiring something that's not in my life, right? So because I have a... Especially I think young women, there's such this drive. And I think this is how women are conditioned. There's such this drive of like, I need to meet someone. I need to... you know, I want to meet someone so that I can get married and you know, check that box, you know, check that box so I can have children and have a home and all of that. And I'm constantly telling my clients, like, listen, I've been married a long time. Like being married doesn't solve all your problems. It doesn't fix everything. Like there's certain parts of it that are good, but you know, you're not really, it's, it's, you're not enjoying being single and all of the fun parts of like not having another person to worry about or wonder about, right? Like Mm -hmm. enjoy being single, enjoy you know, being able to have your time the way you want to and having things the way you want them to be versus spending all your time like, I got to meet this person. I got to meet someone. I got to meet someone. And once I meet this person, I'll be happy. Or once I get there. So it's a lot of it is about liking who you are, enjoying what you have, you know, relaxing a lot, you know, relaxing and trusting. And again, I know this is all the stuff my mom, you know, my mom would say a lot of this stuff to me in different ways when I was young. And it's hard to hear, uh, but it is true. I mean, if you can just like your now, be here now, be grateful. Gratitude, if you read any study, like gratitude is hands down right here before the holidays. Like gratitude is the absolute best thing that you can do. It's free <laughs> and it's so easy of just like stopping and being grateful for the five things in your life like you know that are going well that you love and that will instantly make you you know stop for a moment and see what is good in your life it's yes. not all bad i i feel like i've talked about that a lot on this podcast and it's like one of these little practices that I've implemented in my life where like literally every morning, like before I like even open my emails, like I jot down like three things mm-hmm. I'm grateful for from the day before. Like it's it's not like just general in life, but it's like, no, from the day before. Um, are there any other like little practices that you think we can implement in our life to to do what you said? And that's like, enjoy the right now. Because I'm guilty yeah. of that too. Like even, as, I mean... I feel a lot of us are, but always just like looking to the future. What do I need to accomplish? What do I need to do next? And not really enjoying the present. It's it's yeah. harder. It's easier said than done. Yeah. No, I think I love that. I, I I like that idea of looking like looking back and what what were the things from yesterday that I can appreciate. Um, yeah. I mean, I think jotting down things. I think also right like curating what you're taking in every day. I, you know, I listen. You're on social media. I'm on social media. Like. And I do, and I, but I often tell people like cut down on the social media. Social media has really made it so that we're constantly wanting, right? Mm. If you're on social media, you're either coveting someone else's life that is pretty false, right? Or you're right, you're looking and going, well, how many followers do they have? And how many likes are they getting? And why are they getting this? And I'm not getting that, right? It is unfortunately the way social media is, it's 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 a constant feeling of lack. So I always tell people like cut down, you know, 
make your social media time really, really specific to a certain amount of time every day of you know, muting or not following people that trigger you in some way that make you feel like you're in some way, shape or form less than or that you're lacking something in yourself. And it's the same for your whole life, right? The people in your life, certain people you can't control, family, bosses, that kind of thing. But the people that you can, you know, friends that don't make you feel good about yourself, like you you have the right to say like i don't i'm not going to take this in i'm not going to hang out with these people i'm not going to take in these thoughts i'm not going to do this i'm not going to do that and and really really focusing on i think people should absolutely have goals and things that they want to work towards but you know looking being able to have these goals and looking into the future but then constantly reminding yourself like this is you know this is where i am now doing what you're doing, looking into the past. It's really helpful to be able to look into the past and go, okay, well, I'm not quite where I want to be, but like I'm this far along. And two years ago, I was way over here, Mm -hmm. right? Like focusing on how far you've come, not how far you have to go. That's another psychological thing that it does change our attitudes. Yeah. That was actually going to be my my last question for you. Uh It's just like for anybody who feels like they're not in a place right now where they should be? Because that can be hard. You know, like what are some things, you know, what are some things we can do to kind of maybe reevaluate and move the needle? Yeah. Well, I think if you're not quite where you want to be, I do think it's it's good to stop and ask yourself like, well, where do I want to be? Like, what is it that I'm really looking for? What is it that I'm really wanting? And identifying that and looking at it in different parts of your life, right? Looking at the career, looking at relationships, looking at health, looking at where you're living. Like, what is it? And and once people, once you sit down and really look at, okay, you know, these are the places that I want to be, it's picking one because we get very overwhelmed, right? But it's like, pick one. That's all you need to do. And start working towards that one, you know? So if it's, you know, the relationship stuff, relationship stuff is always hard because it involves another person, right? And it involves another person you have no control over. But if you're in, you know, if you're not happy, if you're like, well, I'm really unhappy, I don't enjoy, you know, I want to meet someone, I'd like to build a family, I'd like to do all this kind of stuff. It's like, okay, if that's what you want, then it's really about looking at, okay, where am I today? And what, what are the small incremental steps that I need to take to move me towards a place where I can be more open and available to meeting someone? So it's a little bit of stopping and thinking, well, I'm not really, you know, I'd like to meet someone. So I kind of need to, you know, get on the apps or I need to figure out like how I get out more or, you know, that kind of thing with this idea that I'm just going to get out and be more available. Relationships are always a little tricky because it involves someone else, but. It is about incremental steps. Our lives are made up. There's a book called The Compound Effect, right? Like it's any kind of goal that we have, it's these small incremental things that we do every day. So it's really about figuring out what is the larger goal? Like what's the, you know, what's this big thing? And then going, okay, I see that. And then coming back to like, well, what am I going to do today? And then what am I going to do tomorrow? And what am I going to do the next day? And really taking it at these bite sized pieces. And what will happen is, is that. If you pick one area of your life, what inevitably happens is these good habits, these new habits that you're developing, they will start to translate into different ways. It's it's always amazing to me the way I see it time and again where someone picks this like, you know, I'm just going to start working out more, you know, I'm just going to start exercising more cuz I I, I want to, you know, feel healthier. And what happens is 
all these other habits, because this, this intentionality that they have, like all these other habits start to form around that. And it starts to grow and build and build. And suddenly other things will start to move along as well. Because that's the feeling, right? They feel like everything in my life's a mess. <laughs> like everything needs to change. And it's like, no, just, just start changing one. Things will start to come together. And once you feel like you're in control of one, if there's another one, then you go to the next one and so on and so forth. Oh my gosh. I've loved all of this. Tess, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. If people want to find more from you, I feel like we this is just a taste of um, a lot of your content and especially your book, Quarter Life Crisis Handbook. Where, where can we find more of you? Yes. So you can find me on my website. It's just tessbrigham.com or tessbrighamcoaching.com. Um, I'm actually I'm uh, revamping my website um, and it's relaunching. So uh, by the time this comes out, I think the, the website will be finished. And uh, just go to my website. You can learn more about me. And I have the Quarter Life Crisis Handbook is a, is a freebie that I give away on my website. So you can download that and you'll get my newsletter, which is called Sunday Mornings with Tess, where I give you a lot of the same stuff that I'm talking about, like a way to start your week, thinking about you know, how to do things differently throughout the week. And I have uh, programs and um, a workbook called Like Like Now <laughs> um, uh, and such there. So you can check it all out. Amazing. I'm going to link that in show notes for anybody who wants to find it. But Tess, thank you so much oh, for being you're on welcome. today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, that is a wrap on our episode this week. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, remember to hit that subscribe button and leave a nice little five-star review for this podcast. Maybe send it to a friend who you think might enjoy the show. Your reviews and you passing along this podcast is what keeps us running. So thank you. If you want more from me, you can follow me on Big Kid Problems on Instagram and on my personal account, which has a new handle all of a sudden uh, at Sarah Merrill underscore Hall. New name, who's this? As always, I want to thank our sponsors for making this show possible. I've linked all of our discount codes and everything else you could ever want from this episode in our show notes. So make sure to check that out. And finally, I want to thank you for tuning in and supporting this show. There's a lot of ways you could be spending your time right now. So I really do appreciate you spending it with me. All right. With that, I hope you have an awesome week and I'll see you next Tuesday. 